so I need to announce something on here that I am drinking this wonderful hot chocolate made by my wonderful future wife, Mia, in a cup that says, I love hot chocolate, and it has marshmallows in it. Apparently, she is going to listen to this. I'm, I'm going to tell you all right now, two fans. I don't think Mia has listened to a single episode of my podcast, of the Sliced Apples podcast. She's going to listen to this one? She said, apparently, she's going to listen to this one to make sure I put the hot chocolate plug in there. Well, which well, you did. So. And I you did. opened up You opened up with that, so, you know. Yeah, I should have made her wait until the very end. Right, listen, have her sit through the us, whole show. Listen to us talk about UFC, and then... And just, or you should just end. throw it halfway through the middle, just in the middle of a sentence. Just throw in it, just talking about Ngana. Oh, yeah, so this hot tea is really good. This hot... uh chocolate that way if she really caught it she was really listening okay. uh, i am drinking this old coffee that i made about four hours ago it's pretty <clears> cold <throat> now uh, but it's pretty good so not bet. your hot chocolate but close enough bet so i was told from a little birdie you wanted to kind of start doing previews which this, this really this really blew up this was more this was just a statement I just always thought, I was like, man, there's a lot of storylines. There's a lot of stuff that go into the fight beforehand. And since we always talk about it afterwards, it's really hard to talk about some stuff. But I also thought that some fight cards aren't as interesting. Like, there's not a lot going on Yeah. Uh, to talk a, a lot beforehand. And many people, a lot, a lot of times, don't really care about the card beforehand. So, you know, I didn't really think much of it. But yeah, no, I mean, I've, I've thought there's always a lot going on. There's always and a lot I, going on with the UFC. And honestly, I was thinking... It was perfect because we should do this every time after the press conference. Yeah. After a uh, pay-per-view pe- press conference. Cause I don't know, like after a press conference, I'm like, Ooh, okay, let's go. You know, I feel, I feel energized, ready for this fight and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's the first time we see them or one of the first times we see them just squared up, literally just start talking to each other. And you know, it always gets the, uh, the emotions running, the adrenaline starts going. That's when everything, when fight week starts, that's when it all everything begins. Yep, so, yep. That is a good it's time just... to do a, a pod after that. Mm-hmm. And so we have UFC 270 on Saturday, January 22nd mm-hmm. in Anaheim, California. Um, let's see, where do we even, where do we even start? I mean, a good question. I guess the main event... Francis Ngannou versus Cyril Gaon, champ versus interim champ, unified title bout, heavyweight title bout. Um, Francis Ngannou, Cyril Gaon, former teammates slash training partners, but Francis Ngannou was saying they were never teammates or something. I don't even know. Whatever, let's just run with former teammates. And bad blood between Francis Ngannou and the coach at MMA Factory, Fernand. What was his name? Fernand. I just know Fernand something. Fernand Lopez, I think, or Fernand something like that. Fernand something. So a lot of bad blood there, which it's pretty funny because Cyril is like one of the chillest. Seems like one of the chillest guys ever. He just doesn't. He's just like, yeah. He just goes with the flow. Yeah, exactly. Um. There's a lot to go that goes into this fight. Like, there's a lot of different things hyping up this fight. That's one of them. I just talked about the teammate angle. Then you got Francis versus the UFC and his contract dispute. This is the final fight on his contract. And then, um, uh, what else? What what else am I missing? I feel like I'm missing some other storylines in this in this one. No, for me, it's, it's pretty, well, maybe, but for me, it's really, really those two, uh, Gon and, uh, and Ghanu being former teammates, uh, and then Ghanu going back and forth with the UFC, uh, regarding his contract, not really knowing what's the future hold. If Ghanu wins, does he stay? If he loses, does he leave? Like, what's, uh, what's, what's gone there? Uh, but the, uh, I really find it interesting, the, the teammate thing. Because everything that I seen from Ngano, he's very adamant that hey, we're not t- we're not teammates. 
We're not teammates. We only sparred once or twice or here and there, but we were never teammates. And one of and those I, times I hit you, accidentally hit you with the left head kick and knocked you out. Yeah. But it, yeah. And it, I don't know why he's so like, he's so pressed on that shit. Like he's stopping the conversation. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, no. Like we're not partners. We were never teammates. Like we, we trained once, um, that kind of stuff. And I honestly think they're just mad because of like a communication issue. Like the whole knockdown and knockout. I think, I think what's happening is in Ghana. You, you know how like when Canelo got really mad at Caleb Plant about the motherfucker he was like, oh, don't talk about my mom. Like they, it, it was almost a misunderstanding because of like they took the words very literal. Uh, Canelo was like, motherfucker, okay, you're talking about my mom. I think the knockdown and knockout. I think uh, Ngannou saying I knock you down, but Cyril Gunn's taking it like a knockout. They're like, you didn't knock me out. And that's why Ngana was like, well, you're on the floor and you had to go home that day. He was like, yeah, but like, did you, you know, knock me out? Cyril Gunn said he didn't even go to the floor. That's what he was saying in the press conference. And Ngana was saying that he did. He was like that he got him to the floor. I think he did, bro. I think, I think, dude, I don't think you can stand and bang even if you're just sparring. I do think that Ngana felt bad about it. And he was like, oh, no, no, bro, bro, get up. Like, nothing happened. Nothing happened. Like, no, no, no. Like, that was, it was a flu, like, whatever. And Gong kind of brushed it off. His his coach was like, nah, like, that was a pretty big deal. And that stayed in Ngannou's head. But I do think in that, Ngannou would get the, the better of them. But I also see the other side where uh, Gon would get the better of him when, they, when he went into that training. And he was just in one of the, one of the countless UFC videos that have come out. Uh, the the trainer saying how Gon could touch could touch Ngannou with whatever he wanted. Gon was just faster. He was just quicker. He could touch him a lot more than Ngannou could do the other side. So that was the the dangerous side of it for um, Ngannou. And then the other side was the UFC contract. That him being the uh, being on his last fight, he's the champion. He doesn't want to resign. He wants more money. Now he did the whole thing where he's turning half of his uh, winnings into Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Or something like that, like a crazy amount of it. Uh, he's doing the NFTs. Um, he's doing a lot of stuff, which is great as a champion. But if he loses, it it all almost comes to a stop. Like everything that, that, changes. That's what I was saying. If he loses, what I I feel like he's backed into a corner. I feel yeah. like to a certain extent, you you lost your your leverage in contract yeah. negotiations because. If he loses, he can't just go out and box or anything. It's like Sorogan's the guy now. That's yeah. that's the baddest motherfucker on the planet. He just beat your ass. Yeah. And I I just feel like he would be back in the corner and would have to re-sign with the UFC because maybe he'll want his rematch or he wants mm. to fight John Jones or something of that nature but i yeah. i don't know that's that's interesting what's going to happen after the fight depending on the result with yeah. the whole contract negotiations and stuff yeah i think he leaves regardless and that's what his trainer was saying that Ngano seems almost at peace with whatever happens when lose or draw that he almost seems at peace and i think that regardless whatever happens i think Ngano's done with the ufc and i think he feels like he can make a lot more money uh, make a bigger name for himself in the boxing world. If he wins, of course he can. He'll retire as a champion. He's like, yo, I was the best in the UFC. Now I'm going into a new endeavor. Like I'm gonna try boxing. Tyson Fury, what's up? All this stuff. Ch Tyson Fury is the champion. So now we have a champion versus champion. However, if Ngannou loses, it's a little harder of a story. But he can always almost like, yeah, you know, I was done anyways. I'm reward re writing my story now in the boxing world and now instead of going for tyson fury which i think can still happen he goes against the deontay wilder the other guy the other behemoth of a human uh that will match fred singana and that would also be a huge fight and then after that you still have the tyson fury fight um even if he loses Ngannou would still have a big path in the boxing world if he decides to stay in the ufc though yeah he loses all his leverage and he gives up all the power if he loses. Like, at that point, he's like, all right, well, Dana White, whatever you want to do with me, you know, I'm all yours. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I just think, me personally, I could be wrong. I think 
sometimes guys tend to overvalue themselves. Um, honestly, I feel like if Nganu leaves the UFC, I'm not going to pay to watch Nganu fight anywhere else. I'm really not. Ooh. Especially if he loses. Especially if he loses because it's like, okay. Interesting. Interesting. So, and that's the interesting thing for me is these guys that threaten uh nate diaz is another one not that he's threatening to leave but he hasn't resigned yet he's still on that yeah, last no, i mean fight pretty much contract. yeah he's threatened to leave essentially. but i i think i expressed this to you a while back through text i wouldn't i wouldn't watch nate diaz fight pay to watch nate diaz fight anywhere else like if there was a bella if he went to bellator i'd pay 30 bucks to see nate diaz main event i probably i most likely 95% won't pay that. And I feel the same way in Ganu because you got to think about it. Even the sports biggest athlete slash icon, whatever Conor McGregor. I think one of the things he understood was that the UFC on its own is, is bigger than every individual i know these fighters make the ufc but the same but at this point where the ufc is at right now and the talent they have acquired and just how big they've gotten within the last few years there there there's no one person that is bigger than ufc and the only argument you could really make is maybe conor mcgregor maybe but that's like who who is second behind him it's there's such a big gap a huge gap of you know sales pay-per-view buys like all the stuff and even conor mcgregor is smart enough to know i'm not just gonna leave and you know do my own thing no i'm I'm gonna stay with the ufc because you get the biggest athlete with the biggest brand cha-ching yeah and so i i I really think it'll be a mistake if nganu doesn't work it out with the UFC and he ends up leaving. Yeah, I give I want to give Ngano the benefit of the doubt and say that he's, you know, he's being smart about this, he's maturing, he's growing, but at the same time his ego has been known to be there. After he was on that winning streak, you know, that's the whole story with his trainer that he went on a winning streak and right before the first Stipe uh loss, he uh he decided to go to Vegas and his ego got the better of him. He was like, no, nah, I'm too good for this. He lost, humbled himself, went back on a winning streak, and the ego came right back. No, he lost twice, then humbled himself because he okay, lost to so Derek Lewis. The, that was, man, that, let's not talk about that. Fight. <laughs> but that, that fight, he well, humbled himself and then came back. And so that's the idea that his ego has always been a part of him. And as someone that's never had any, anything, you know, I guess that is one one thing that can happen. It can either go to your head, or you can remain this humble guy, which is the way that I'd rather see in Ganu as the the good guy, the guy that uh, you know, he's been working his whole life and barely like he had to kind of scrape his way here. That's that's the way the UFC portrayed in Ganu. That's the way the UFC created in Ganu. And so you're right. Without the UFC, and Ganu really wouldn't be anything. And if he was to leave without the UFC propaganda machine behind him making you know building him up as a star i don't know how much he can do outside of the of the ufc if he just goes straight into the boxing world but um i mean him and tyson fury would definitely be a very um good selling fight i would buy that fight yeah um yeah i think i think though it's if he leaves the ufc it's it's a short term it would be good for him he would obviously make more money in the short term i believe and just like you said, him versus Tyson Fury, people will buy that. That that will make him a shit ton of money. But I think in the long run, yeah. After that, like let's just say Tyson Fury beats him, then what? I'm I'm really not gonna watch Francis Ngannou again after that. That's literally the only fight I would be interested in watching. And if he doesn't, even if he says, "Oh, I'm gonna go fight Deontay Wilder," like I don't know. It's just it's, 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 yeah. Do you I'm think not it's worth it though? The the one money fight versus the culmination of all these other fights that don't like you don't even make that that amount of money. That's essentially the Jake Paul promise. He's like, hey, come over here. You know, you're not gonna be in the UFC anymore, but you're gonna make more money in one fight than you have in your entire UFC career. 
And even if you don't really make it far, like if it's just, just a one-time thing, you lose to the YouTuber, and then that's it. Well, hey, bro, you made more than you have in, in, the, in your entire UFC career. So why not? You know, is that worth it? The, the thing Especially- is, if he, stays in, if he stays in the UFC and reigns as heavyweight champion, mm. in the long run, it could be so much more lucrative. He will be more of a worldwide sensation. He will be an icon, essentially. He would be Conor, like, essentially, like, similar to a Conor McGregor. I'm not saying his sales would be. I mean, nobody can really touch McGregor's pay-per-view sales, but as far as just being known in a celebrity and whatnot, he if he stays in the UFC, keeps winning fights, defending the title, he beats John Jones and Stipe again and whoever comes crawling up. Dude, it's so much more lucrative in the long run than, you know what, UFC? Bye. I'm going to take this boxing fight with Tyson Fury. But, you know, in the long run, it's just he's going to kind of. I feel like he'll just kind of float away and I can't help but think, I wonder if him and Usman, I know him, Usman are pretty close. I don't know. I know Adesanya is in the mix, too, just because they're all the African champs. I know for sure Ngannou and Usman are seem pretty close. I wonder, I wonder if Usman is. First of all. Well, I'm pretty sure Usman is getting paid more than Ngannou. That's for sure. Yeah, number one, pound for pound. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if that's what's kind of causing this, you know, he knows how much Usman is making. That discussion has been brought up between them. And so he's just kind of, you know, he sees that. He's kind of jealous. Even Adesanya. I'm pretty sure Adesanya is making more than Ngannou because, I mean, you got to understand, Ngannou, it's, it's hard because Ngannou fights once a year, if we're lucky, once a year. Well, I mean, has that really been his fault? That's what he says. He was like, I, he, was like he had to wait for the whole Stipe DC thing to get figured out. And he was just That's on the sidelines. After the Rosenstrike fight, he was just there, like, kind of waiting. He was like, I'll fight. Uh, but you are right. If he was to stay in the UFC... I mean, as this right now, isn't uh, Stipe considered the greatest heavyweight because he defended it, what, three times? Come on. No, I think... no. More than three. Mm, he defended it. Think... He defended it. Uh, he beat Ngannou's first time. He defended it against DC twice. That's three times already. He's beaten other people. I just can't. Yeah, but really... I don't think that's a champion. I think it's a very small number. The heavyweight defense is very small. You should look it up. I don't remember how much, but I remember it's very slow. Because he's considered the greatest heavyweight because he defended a certain number. But regardless, I think Ngannou could surpass whatever that number is. If Ngannou can get past Cyril Gan, especially if he can do it with ease, he can get past. I don't think there's any other heavyweight that could compare. And so I think at that point, he becomes a great, the greatest heavyweight in the UFC history. And he looks like the greatest heavyweight in UFC history. And yeah, at that point, he, he becomes the symbol of the UFC. And that's money. In the boxing world, he'll get a really lucrative one or two fights, and then he'll fade into the background because I don't think he'll beat any of these guys. He's really just going in as a freak show because he can't beat Fury. I think technically he has four defenses because... Stipe? Yeah, Stipe has four He won the belt against Verdum Mm -hmm. and then defended against Alistair Overeem. Junior Dos Santos, oh, was, yeah. Francis Ngannou, but and then he see. lost the first fight against Cormier, DC, but then beat him again. So he just got the belt back. So it doesn't count as a defense. But then he beat DC again on the third oh, fight. See, 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 which, so he's four defenses, but he's had one, two, three, four, five, six, eight title fights. No, oh, interesting. And and so, awesome. yeah, it's it's just oh, yeah. and then and then especially if Ngannou stays in the UFC, we're talking the John Jones fight, we're talking the Stipe trilogy. I mean, we're talking about some big big fights. We get DC to come out of retirement and oh, no, go for please. the heavyweight again. Please, no. Come on, bro, we get Ngannou versus DC. You're telling me you're not no. paying heavy money for that? I I like DC, and I would rather him <laughs> stay conscious and oh man, that would be healthy. hard to watch. That'd be hard to watch. Because that's that's just going to be bad. He's going to get hit with that uppercut, that Overeem uppercut. Oh, that Overeem one. Yeah, no, that's, that's <clears> going to be bad. But, uh, hopefully he stays in it. 
in the UFC? Essentially, um, I don't think anybody's bigger than the UFC machine. It, you're you're just not just because you got to think about fans like us. We see I don't I don't buy the fights solely for the main event. I like watching the whole entire car prelims up. And the thing is, I've gotten so I guess used to that good life, that good UFC fan life. I don't like buying fights just to see Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley. If there's nobody else under there that I kind of like to watch, I don't, yeah. I'm not going to buy Canelo versus whoever. Yeah. If there's nobody else under there that I like to watch. And, yeah. and I think that's, <clears throat> that's where the UFC machine comes into play. Um, I think sometimes these guys kind of get like Nganu, get kind of full headed their ego gets big and they think I'm the re this pay-per-view sold 750 K buys. And I'm the sole reason for it. Cause I was the main event. It's like, uh, yeah, no, it's actually cause you had under you like Nate Diaz versus Dustin Poirier co-main event. And then you had yeah. freaking Tony Ferguson versus whoever, yeah, in the main card, and and you had Michael Chandler versus Judge Justin Gaethje to open up the main card. Yeah. It, it, it's it they they kind of get this idea that they're the ones, they're the reasons. When honestly, only Conor McGregor could say that. I mean, he freaking he has a top top five yeah. pay per view of him versus Cowboy Cerrone. Yeah, dude, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's what? Crazy. That's crazy. Like. And the thing is, that's when they go out, like Ngannou would go out and realize, man, it wasn't actually me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is also the issue with Jake Paul. You know, when Jake Paul started, he claimed that he had a bunch of buys on his first fight. But it was really because he fought under the Mike Tyson fight. Mike Tyson fought, uh, I forgot who it was, and he fought, he was the, like the second fight on there. So, of course, there was a bunch of buys. Roy Jones uh, Jr. Yeah, yeah. Roy Jones uh, and so, of course, there was going to be a lot of fights, but it wasn't because of him. Now, that stayed in his head, and he continued on to boxing because he was like, look how many buys I did the first time. But it wasn't really him. And, yeah, most fighters can end up getting the same idea, thinking that it's about them, when really it's about the card around them. Um, however, if anybody was to do it, if anybody was to leave the UFC strictly to go to boxing and try to make it, it would be a Francis Ngannou. It would be a heavyweight. Somebody that can knock out your lights, uh, your lights out <clears throat> in any any seconds because that's what people want to pay to see. They want to pay unpredictable. They want to see something that they wouldn't expect. No other fighter would do it. Conor McGregor wouldn't. If Conor McGregor was to fight a boxer his size, I don't think McGregor would get the better of him. But Ngannou might. But and he so would sell, I think he would sell more than Ngannou. Maybe. No, there's no. Yeah, maybe. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, 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 okay. But long term, long term. Okay, yeah, maybe Conor McGregor is a bad, bad example. Bad example. <laughs> if, we, if we give it to any other fighter trying to go from boxing, like a Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz is huge. But if he goes into boxing, it would only last one or two fights. It wouldn't last that long. I think in Ganu, especially if he knocks people out, like he is a scary person. And if anybody was to sell out even long term, it would be the heavyweight. However, after the numbers that the Jake Paul fight did, who knows if people are still going to be interested in this MMA going into boxing type of thing? Because I do think it could slowly be dying out. And I think people are, I think people, I think Jake Paul was smart. I think he capitalized, capitalized it at the beginning. And at this point, it's just starting to die out. And, um, and I think Ngannou is just coming in at the tail end of it. I think Ngannou is just coming in like at the end of it. And I think if he was to go, maybe he could still get a, a good few fights, but I think at this point, people are just, they're just not that much interested. It was a cool experiment seeing the MMA fighters going into boxing. But at this point, like, we know what's going to happen. And we're not really it, interested in that. Is it kind of funny that McGregor was the most successful one? Yeah. But McGregor also did it along with the UFC, which is what has not happened with any other fighter. If yeah. Masvidal was to go and do it alongside, promote it alongside with the UFC versus a Jake Paul, that would probably sell huge numbers. Again, we're talking Conor McGregor, who was the biggest in the UFC, versus Floyd Mayweather, who was the biggest in boxing. I mean, it was bound to be huge. But 
the next thing to that would be like Masvidal or something, somebody like that going with the support of the UFC with that whole PR machine behind him. I think what's starting to happen though, is that these fighters, you got to understand like these fighters, they're getting paid well enough. Like how much money is enough money? I feel like that's a rap bar somewhere. Um, so some of these top end UFC guys, MMA guys are getting paid well enough. Maybe not boxing numbers, but they're getting paid well enough. And the thing is they're, they're in a sport that is much more popular right now. They're in an organization that's much more popular right now. And that that's the thing. It's just boxing. I think these MMA guys are starting to realize Boxing, I don't want to go into boxing. Why am I going to go over there? You know, like Masvidal, why am I going to go over there and fight Jake Paul? For what? For for what? What? Like, he's yeah. been fighting for so long, and trust me, the way Masvidal is, he's getting well compensated, yeah. or else he really wouldn't be fighting yeah. for the UFC. He's getting well compensated. But a certain a certain, you know, point with the money is just is it is it worth it like say if i'm masvidal and i'm getting paid let's just say i'm getting a couple mil for my last few fights i fought even for when i main event i get pay-per-view points like probably what's going on for him versus colby in march well i mean yes i can maybe fight jake paul and have a huge ass car like huge ass you know, sell and make $5 million on that purse. But what's the point? You know what I mean? When, when I'm over here in this organization, I'm making $2 million plus pay-per-view points. And I'm fighting the best in the world. I'm trying to prove that I am the best in the world by fighting the best in the world in a sport that is pure fighting not just boxing not just a particular i guess um specialty i guess you could say discipline discipline discipline, yeah that's the word i was looking for so i i just feel like yes boxing you can make more money but i feel like for some of these guys it's just i i have this is enough money and i get to be these guys are competitors they want to compete jake paul isn't really their competition. Jake Paul's fighting Tyron Woodley and uh, Ben Askren. Yeah, yeah. No, and realistically, to make those that money in boxing, you need to have a following, and that's why somebody like Jake Paul is able to. And and I think that's the problem right now. Everybody, and even Ngannou has tweeted the, this. Uh, he was like, "Why is Jake Paul making all this amount of money, and us athletes have been doing this our whole life are making, you know, chump change essentially?" And at the end of the day, it's because you're you're only worth however much people are willing to pay for you. And if people aren't willing to pay to watch you, then you're not where well, you could be the best athlete in the world, but people aren't willing to watch you. John Jake Jones. Ha- well, okay. Well, dude, John yeah, Jones doesn't have good sales. Yeah. No, but he's considered, but he is the best in the world. Yeah. And I think that's where the UFC comes in. Uh, the UFC covers up for all these fighters that are really good at their craft, but don't know how to sell themselves in the boxing world. That doesn't exist as much. They're they're like we're gonna put on these fights, but you need to sell the fight. You're gonna make as much as you as you can. Um, and even in the boxing work in world, it doesn't work. Like uh, Tank Davis, he recently had his fight. Considered one of the highest sellers and the one that flaunts all this money. He's the one under Mayweather, and he apparently sold only like tens of thousands of of pay per views. And they were giving out free tickets so the stadium could look full, but they like they lost money in the fight. So even the top earners right now in boxing are not making that amount of money. Jake Paul sold less than sixty five thousand on his last one, and don't really the unless you're a Canelo at this point, you know you're not really making that amount of money unless you can sell yourself, unless you know how to use social media, use all of that. And if you know how to use social media, all of that, and you're in the UFC, bro, you can make a serious killing. And I think that's where Ngannou's at right now. I think Ngannou's learning. The personality, the uh, the the look, the social media game, like the NFTs, the being involved, all being up to date with with sponsorships, all this kind of stuff, <clears throat> it's really good money. Um, 
but it is dangerous if somebody like Showtime comes over and be like, hey, Ngannou, like, we know the UFC is taking care of you, but, you know, you're on your last fight. If you come to boxing, we got you, you know. Look how much money you could be making over here. And I do think that's real. I do think there's people that lobby, especially somebody like Ngannou, somebody like Nate Diaz, they're on their last fights. I think they're scouts from other organizations, and they're like, yo, you want to box? Like, you know, you'll make really good money. And that's the dangerous part for somebody like Ngannou that wants to be treated a specific way, and he sees it somewhere else. So who knows if he um, if he goes. But I would I just, watch him. I just realized we went on this super long tangent of <laughs> of this boxing thing, whatever. <clears throat> that's where he's at. But, like, that's a uh, high stakes. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. bringing it back to, you know, UFC 270, do you think – that the UFC is under under marketing, under promoting Francis Ngannou. I've I've been seeing all this stuff about how Ngannou Gun they're not really like selling their fight, like they're not really like putting in as much work. But it would make sense that the UFC wouldn't want to promote as much, considering that Ngannou, their champion, they would have to build him up with he, the. He has one the, foot out the door. Exactly. Like, why are you going to help build somebody that's already on their way out? Um, and it's really hard to just build Gun, especially considering that you do have a current champion and he's the interim champion. So you can only, as a UFC, can only do so much. So it would make sense why they would focus more on the uh, co-main event and just kind of leave the main event kind of like, hey, it's the heavyweights, it's the baddest man on the planet. We'll leave it at yeah, that. You- Okay, let's be real. They haven't even focused on the co-main. I, I think they just haven't promoted this card. Just wonder what you don't think they for. No, not those. You just think they haven't. Yeah, no. I mean, it is true. I think in the heavyweights, they just kind of sell themselves. Everyone knows heavyweights, the biggest people. Like you know, I think Brandon Moreno. They... Brandon Moreno made a comment on the um, in the press conference about him not being on the the poster. On the poster, yeah, yeah, yeah. and. and uh, I mean, I thought that they were going to be the main event, but uh, because, you know, it is the heavyweights and all that stuff. I don't know. You are right, though. I don't think the UFC, the UFC could have so much more promo. But these guys are also, they're just weird. Like, their biggest storyline, the UFC's biggest storyline would be their former teammates gone bad. There, it's the freaking uh, Covington and Masvidal story. Former teammates, and now they're they're fighting against each other. Um, but Ngannou doesn't want to but doesn't want to use that information. Right. He's like, no, no, no. And then Gon doesn't want to trash talk. Everybody's like, oh, you know, do you feel the type of way about Ngannou talking about your 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 uh, coach? He's like, no, you know, it's all for good. Like, they don't want to pursue what the UFC wants them to do, which is, like, either build up all this drama or build up, like, they're just not, like, falling for it. They're not for it. And Gon's like, nah, bro, I'm doing my thing. Gon's doing his thing. Uh... I don't yeah. know. I don't know what the UFC is supposed to do here. Yeah, but I mean, I do think I do think it's because they hadn't seen each other, and today was the first time that they talked to each other. And I think as soon as they started talking to each other, I think there's just kind of like there's just two alpha dogs, and they're both, or at least I think Engano's an alpha dog. I don't know. I don't know, man. They're 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 weird because as soon as they start talking, like you can, it, it was almost as everybody was like ooh, ooh like instigating behind them. Like, every time they were talking, like, you could almost hear everybody in middle school, like, surrounding them, like, ooh, you're always about your mom. Like, like they're almost, like, <laughs> want them to kind of, like, go at it, like, back and forth. And it was something very small, like, oh, you don't remember? Oh, you know, oh, oh, I guess he doesn't remember. Like, that kind of stuff. But just because it was into, and there hasn't been anything else, like, it was such a big moment. It was like, what, finally, what we're getting re- heat. What about that reporter, man? That reporter that just kept... I don't know, jabbing at Nganu, and I'm like, dude, this guy punches like a Ford. Oh yeah, was it a Ford Escape or something like that? Yeah, I, yeah, it was a Ford, bro. I don't get. It could be a Ford bike. It was freaking. <laughs> it would be strong. Yeah, I I don't know who the reporter was that has the balls to sit there and be taunting Nganu like dude, almost threatening. After a while, I was just like, dude, all right, move on. Can Dana just say, like, all right, dude, sit down, move on, next yeah. person, you know, because, yeah. Yeah. geez, but, man. these. But, but even then, like, Nganu's problem was that the dude was telling Gan that he said that he was an easy fight or that he wasn't. 
And yeah. that's like him telling, like, bro, why are you trying to cause more problems? Like, I didn't say that. Hmm. I don't have a problem with him. Like, why are you trying to cause these issues between us? Like, I yeah, never said it was an easy fight. Yeah, I, I actually saw that interview. He said that with uh, uh, Max Kellerman on his show. And he, he really, and I knew something was going to be said about it because when the guy asked the question, I knew what he said, and that wasn't what he said. And I knew Francis, I saw Francis's look Listening. immediately. And he knew, but ultimately, <clears throat> what I want to know is Caesar. Who do you got? Who's winning? How are they winning? What Bro, round? We got the we got the most technical fight, technical heavyweight that <clears throat> I've ever seen. Gone like the, the way he moves, the way he fights, the way he just embarrassed Derek Lewis, and just from the get go, just and uh, it's very interesting the way that Gone sees it. Like he sees it like like a game. Like, he's very talented. Like, I think everything just clicks in his head. Like, he sees things coming. He can, like, it's almost like time slows down when he's in there. And I know the feeling. Like, everybody has something that they're really good at and they're just talented at. Uh, for me, it's music. For him, it's just that. Like, he, everything slows down. I think he can process it and just sees it differently than any other fighter his size can. Um, so, yeah, no, I think he's really good. But even besides all that, bro, I think he's going to get knocked out. I don't know how you can stand for 25 minutes in front of Nganu, uh, a trained Nganu, and not be on the floor looking up, you know, people trying to wake you up. You know, I don't know how that doesn't happen. We saw it not happen with Stipe and then Derek Lewis, and I think that was a shaken up and um, just a very shook Nganu. And I think that won't happen again. I think that it's the common saying. Uh, Gone has to be perfect for 25 minutes. And, and, uh, and Ghana just has to be perfect for one second. Like he just needs one good hit and it's over. So that's my prediction. I think Ngannou knock, um, knocks him out. I would probably say by the third round. But I don't know. The round, I don't know. I do know he's getting knocked out, though. What do you think? <clears throat> I think... Sirogan, you got you. You need to give him give him some more credit, because he's essentially what he's gonna do. Essentially, what he did to Derek Lewis, because people keep saying about Francis Ngannou one one hit power. I think Derek Lewis has more one hit power than. I mean, yeah. just check check the tape. Literally, Curtis yeah. Blades, one uppercut, just flatline, and he had low t- testosterone. Come on, okay. bro. Okay, okay, calm down, <laughs> calm down. But so, yeah. Gon showed, I mean, Derek Lewis was kind of like a preparation for Nganu. He showed what he can do, how he can manage the distance, stay away from that one hit. And I think that's that he's going to follow that recipe, tag on some, some little things. So I got Siro Gon winning. Um, you lying, bro. I swear, I swear. Why are I, I you really, lying, dude? Dude, ever since ever since Gon won the interim title. I mean you didn't I, see that. I was life. like, I was like Gon, Gon's gonna win Gon's gonna win against Nganu. Like Gon is just a different animal, dude. He's he's a different breed. We haven't seen anything like him. I know Francis Nganu is Nganu, but big guy, one punch power. It's nice and all, but as technical as Cyril Gon is, how he moves. We never seen a guy that moves like him. Uh, I'm I'm taking Sirogan by submission, fourth round. Let's go, lock it in. Submi- submission. Submission. That would be very interesting to see these big ass dudes just trying to on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, that's a very man. You just okay. I I mean I see that happen. The thing is I can see it either way. With Sirogan though, I see it as a decision. I don't see Sirogan in in the fight early. I don't see Nganu giving up, either tapping or being knocked out or anything like that. And well, he he can go to sleep. Yeah, no, like, but even then, like, I I don't see him, like, I don't see Nganu like not being able to continue the fight in any shape or form. I think uh, if Sirogan was to win, it would have to be a very technical point type of winning type of thing. Like, I he touched him up, didn't really get touched. You know, he was able to scramble. I think. The Derek Lewis and Nganu comparison are very close, but very different. I think they're very it different is. athletes. Yeah. And I think um, it's still the same idea. I think you would take the same game plan. I think 
Ngannou is a little faster than Derek Lewis, but it's the same idea. You're you're still not as fast as Cyril Gan. He's going to be in and out before you could even like realize what's happening. And uh, the way he's able to find the his um um the distance and then just stay away from it and all of that, it, it will be very interesting. But again, Ngannou, um, Cyril Gan has to keep that up the entire time. It's the whole Volkov versus Derek Lewis situation. Up until the last seconds of the twenty fifth of the 24th minute, like you still have to be perfect because if any of those bombs come your way and you weren't expecting it or you dropped your guard or you made any type of mistake, it's most likely lights out. If, so Stipe, if, can, if Stipe can do it, Cyril Gahn can do it. Yeah, but that was an old Stipe. I think for sure if, if, if Cyril Gahn would have fought him back in the day uh, before Stipe, even after Stipe, before Derek Lewis, or even right after Derek Lewis, I think Sirogan would have completely outclassed him. I think today, I don't think Sirogan outclasses him. But who knows? I don't know. That's going to be very interesting. I think it's going to be and still. And, um, and new. And new. I don't <laughs> Co-main event. Our boy, Assassin Baby, Brandon Moreno. Fighter of the year. Versus Davison Figueredo, number three. And, number um, three. That <clears throat> dude, I just read yesterday. I never knew about the Brandon Moreno Henry Cejudo, I guess, rivalry. Um, that was going on there for the two fans that don't know. So essentially, um, Cejudo, before Brandon Moreno came on the Ultimate Fighter, Cejudo helped out Moreno. Like his family stayed at Cejudo's house in Arizona and stuff, they trained together. He helped Cejudo train for um, his, the DJ fight. And the thing was, when Cejudo went against, uh, what's his name? Uh, oh, the, the husband of uh, Olivi, Megan Olivi, Benavidez, Jonathan Benavidez. The so, so, yeah, that, that's, they're married. Yep. Damn, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Who's uh the the white chick? Uh, Joseph Benavides. Joseph Benavides. Oh, uh, Laura Senko. Yeah, her. Who's her husband? I don't know. Oh, <laughs> that's that's a bro. All right, keep going. Keep going. Go back to the story. So essentially, uh, Cejudo did not pick. The way they did it was that they these are all flyweight champions, and they ranked them before the show. They ranked them one through sixteen. The thing was, the coaches, when they were picking, they didn't know who was ranked what. Oh, that's how it happened. And so, essentially, if you got the first pick, you pick the number one seed, the other team automatically gets the 16th seed because that's who they're going against. And so, they thought, I, I forgot who was Cejudo's, in Cejudo's ear, but he said, get Pantoja, and then... You know, he, he's one of the top prospects. There's no way Moreno is at the dead bottom. And then you can pick him next. Cejudo listened to him. And so Cejudo picked Pantoja, who happened to be, I think he was the number one seed. So the uh, Benavidez got the 16th, got Brandon Moreno because they ranked Brandon Moreno dead last, 16th. And that's when everything began because. Moreno didn't really like that. He thought he should have been the first pick, kind of like how McGregor, when he went against Uriah Faber, the first pick for McGregor was uh, Artem Lobov, his best friend, one of his closest friends. That was his first pick. He wasn't the most talented one on the board, but that was his first pick. That was his boy. Yeah, that was his boy. Because you're going to train with this person. Like, you're going to, like, you're going to give them your secrets. Like, you're going to share everything. That's the idea. So Brandon Moreno's booty heard about that, and then eventually um, he told at the end of the show when um, Cejudo went into the training camp, Moreno said, "Hey, I can't, I can't train with you. I don't feel right because I, you know, been coached under Joseph Benavidez this whole time." But then ended up going to help Benavidez in his camp train against Cejudo. All that, you know, obviously that comes with the drama it comes with. But now, fast, fast forward now, Cejudo is 
training with Figueredo for this upcoming fight. Cejudo will be in Figueredo's corner. And yeah, that that that's a solid story. I never knew about this. I'm glad yeah. I read it. Because um, that's that changes. Yeah, that changes the whole Cejudo training with Figueredo. Like it changes that whole idea. It's not just like somebody helping out another fighter. This is like a past beef being settled as well. You know, you have mm-hmm. the Ngannou with the trainers. You know, they're like, "Oh, I trained you, but now you're off fighting somebody else." Like the trainers think it's also a fight of trainers. Now we have um, Cejudo for training Figueredo for the trilogy. Uh, I remember when Figueredo when. Segura was first starting this whole training. He posted a picture with Figueredo, and uh, they had already announced the trilogy and all that stuff. And Moreno commented on it, and he said, "Oh, ha ha ha, that's great, champ. Help him out. He needs a lot of help. Like talking about Figueredo, like help him out. He needs a, he needs a lot of help. Ha ha ha." And now I even at first when I read, it, I was like, "Oh, you know, they're boys. They're cool. This is funny." Now I'm thinking it could have been an even like a sarcastic thing, like, "Ha ha ha, like good luck." Pretty much, like he mm-hmm. needs a lot of help. Good luck, you know, it ain't gonna y'all are still gonna lose essentially. And uh we already had one Sehudo prodigy lose, which was uh Zhang Wei Li. So now protégé. it was what did I say? Prodigy. And what is it? Protege. Protege. Oh, protege. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right, you're right. All right, nice catch. All right. Uh so he was he had three. Sehudo had three. He had John Jones, Figueredo, Zhang Wei Li. We lost Zhang Wei Li. Now we got two more. So uh, I think Figueredo, though, um, the problem with Figueredo is that the first two fights are very hard to judge because he was going through a very bad weight cut. Excuses, excuses, excuses. Hey, no, an excuse is the wine. I had too much wine the night before. That's a freaking excuse. Uh, uh, Figueredo, like he went to the hospital the next like that night and stuff like that. Excuses, of course, because you knew this fight was happening. Like, you knew your weight was a problem. And if it's really a problem, you can't keep it under control, then you're not fighting at your weight class. You know, then that's a completely different issue. Then you should be fighting at your weight class. But besides all that, the fact is that he was very bad off. Like, it was very clear Figueredo wasn't at 100 or not what you would expect a champion to look like. So we had the first fight, which was fight of the year in my in my eyes. Or I, no, I, I don't think it won, right? The Zhang Wei Li fight won? Yeah, it was Zhang Wei Li, Zhang Yeah. So, fight of the year contender. Uh, and then you had the rematch where Moreno decisively bit, fi- beat Figueredo. But again, we still had the weight cut issue. I think Figueredo barely made weight, right? That At well, that time. Like 11 minutes to spare. Yeah. So, um, that's a pretty big deal. Now we get to this fight. Figueredo looks pretty good. You know, he, especially if he's been with Cejudo, like, they've obviously been working on the weight that's under control. And we get Figueredo at his peak. Him at his peak, we'll see if it's enough to beat uh, Moreno, who's just Mexican killer. Assassin, maybe. Assassin, bro. Assassin. And there, I just don't... Go. They had a lot of uh, much more entertaining press conference than I thought they would have. Because... <laughs> Because <laughs> I don't know, Davis and Figueredo, he must have had like some of these lines written on his iPhone or something, how to say them in English. And like, Did all he, of a he, Brandon Moreno crybaby. <laughs> yeah. No, and it's funny. How much of the Spanish could you understand? Cause most I know of it. You, okay. Because even at the end, like, I don't know if you caught at the end when essentially it finished and Figueredo was still yelling into the microphone. Mm-hmm. And then Moreno came back and he grabbed the microphone. Like, ah, lo bien. Like, in Spanish, like, did y'all see? He was literally reading the lines from his phone. He was like, ah, somebody wrote the lines for this guy. And he's literally just reading the lines. Like, he said that into the microphone, making fun mm-hmm. of the fact that Figueredo was there just, like, literally reading the lines that were written. And I think that was all Sehudo, bro. I think Sehudo was like, yo, like, you got to be cringy. Like, it's going to suck and you might get booted, but it's going to get plays. And... Especially if there's, because you also know when you're, I think you know, especially in the trilogy, when you're going to lose or when you're going to win. Like, I think you also know a little bit like, damn, I don't think I can beat this guy. So maybe if there was like a, an inkling that even Cejudo or Figueroa was like, damn, I don't know if I can beat this guy. But same idea, like, you got to entertain the crap out of people. Like, if you lose, you got to remain a star. You can't just like lose and like humble yourself and like 
fade into the shadows. You you were the god of war. You gotta go out there and you can't play nice with them because you're gonna you can't go out there and give hearts and like oh much respect to Brandon Moreno because you're gonna fade. Nobody's gonna care. If Moreno wins, you're gonna fade. Um, and if you win, you know people won't really care as much. But if you become this villain, which you can become, um, you you can essentially continue on being a star after your losses. But it's just really cringy because you're going up against the guy who's the opposite of the heel. He's not just like the nice guy. He's the anti-bad guy. Like you can't really be mean to him because he kind of like was just laughing it off. He was like, yeah, wait, yeah, like chill out. Kind of like you don't have to do this. You don't have to. And that's even more embarrassing. Like, like when you're mad at somebody and you're screaming in their face, it's more embarrassing when they're like, they just laugh and you be like, ha, all right, bro, calm down. Then when they're yelling back at you. You would want them, you would want emotions back at you. But the fact that Moreno's not showing anything just makes the situation even more cringy for Figgy. But he's trying. He's trying to, he's trying something. I don't know. When he just started talking into the microphone, like, cry baby, cry baby. I was like, what is happening here? What is and Moreno, happening? Even Moreno was like, really, bro? <laughs> you don't got to do this, man. You don't yeah. <laughs> and it was really because he started doing it last fight. The first mm -hmm. fight, nothing really happened. The second fight, uh, Figueredo came in like hot, like, oh, I'm gonna kill him and all this stuff. And Moreno was like, yo, chill out. Like, we already had one fight. Why are you doing this? And I think this fight, when he started again, I think everybody was like, really, bro? What are you doing? Like, you don't have to do this. Like, we know the story. You lost your belt, and now you're coming back for it. Like, just sell that. You don't have to sell this bad guy persona. But, um, I don't know. We'll see if Sejudo's training work. Who you got? What's your pick? I got Moreno. 100% Moreno. Uh, I want to say submission, but um, I really want to knock out. I think it would be great for his highlight reel. I think it will cement uh, Moreno. His legacy. Yeah. I think it would help him, especially going, continuing on as a champion, especially since he lost so much in his own division. You know? You have to almost like put your foot down, and the whole thing with like when a new manager shows up to a job, like you fire somebody to kind of like put your authority and like, all right, I'm the boss here. If Moreno beats Figueredo, the Figueredo's gone. Like you're now the champion. There's no more fights with him. Like at this point, now this is your division. What are you gonna do about it? And with mm -hmm. the knockout, Moreno can like stand tall and be like, all right, I knocked out the guy that y'all were all scared of. Who's next? Rather than a submission, which you already did, you already showed you can do it. And then a decision is just nothing. Like, it doesn't really prove much. It'll show a great improvement on Figueredo, but it won't really show, especially because you already submitted him. Like, you can't go back. You can't I, go back. I would have to counter that. I think if he beats him in a decision, especially a unanimous decision, that's, mm. that's the most solidifying thing. That's 25 minutes of me kicking your ass. Unless um, it's close. Unless it's a close decision. Yes, unless it's a close decision. But he, but I think even, even at this point with the submission win he already has, beating him yeah. in a close decision, as long as it's not a controversial decision, like if people were like, like a split decision, but, you know, you got 50, like most people like, yeah, I think I would have gave it to Figueredo. For, I mean, um, Moreno for the most part. Because it's just something more solidifying because you got to think of Ro Doug Rose versus Zhang Weili. You know, that first fight. Zhang Weili gets knocked out with that uh, head kick. And Weili was like, no, you know, no, you know, I, I, I can beat her. Like, she just caught me one time. And then so when they came back, Rose beat her for 25 minutes. That solidified everything because it was just like, all right, yeah. shut, your, shut your ass up. <laughs> I beat you for 25 minutes. I got the quick knockout and beat you up for 25 minutes. I'm it, wasn't, it wasn't a fluke. It's not a fluke. Yeah, yeah, it's not a fluke. Yeah. So, essentially, I don't think, I don't think uh, a decision will be bad at all. I think if anything, it will be more solidifying. Like, yo, we had a draw the first time. Kicked me in my nuts multiple times. Yeah, the um, first fight was rough. And I rough. submitted you the second time. And honestly, he was kicking ass. Like that was an ass kicking. There was no Figueroa. Wouldn't be surprised he got 10-8 every round. But, 
Yeah, and then to beat him a third time, unanimous decision, that solidifies everything. Um, which is how I'm predicting this fight to go. Moreno by decision. Um, solidifying, closing out the trilogy. And hopefully next uh, we see Moreno. I would like to see him against a Kai Car France, you know. So that that that'll be a good, that'll be a good squabble. Um, yeah, that that's 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 my picks nice. for the two title fights. I don't know if you know, I'm kind of excited. Run through this card, card with you. Yeah. Uh, match before the co-main event. My boy Michelle Pereira, that my boy, boy. Yeah. my boy, he finally gets to showcase his talents on pay per view, a main card of a pay per view versus Andre Fialo. Damn, he's 14 and three. Well, that'll, that'll be a good matchup. I can't wait. Honestly, I'm really pumped for that fight. Yeah. Um, other than that, though, this, this, this card, as far as name value, is pretty mid. Mid. And that's coming from me that watches like most of these, most of all these cards and stuff and knows the who's who and whatnot. Um, yeah, yeah this, wrong, this, this card is, is yeah. I mean, you got Rodolfo Vieira, um, the BJJ champ, but at the same yeah. time, he did get submitted by <laughs> yeah, Fluffy still, Hernandez. He, right now, he's just going to be working his way to get rid of that sour taste of losing to Fluffy Hernandez. Because no matter, you, you're going to have to go on a long winning streak to get rid of that one. Like you, all, like I don't know if it won submission of the year or did it. Like you gotta, it's going to take a while to get rid of that taste. Um, but I think they did leave it up to the two uh, title fights to really carry this card. Considering it's in Anaheim, like I think they banked on Moreno. Like they banked on the first Mexican champion being present yeah, and carrying um, most of it. Another one, another name I recognize, Ilya Taporia. Uh, he's eleven and zero. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure is he the one that beat that knocked out Ryan Hall? Oh yeah, his like yeah. two fights ago. Yeah, right. That was him. Yeah, it was him. What? Okay, so that was I, uh, Connor and Dustin. Yeah, that was the one I had in my house. When yeah. uh yeah 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 Ryan Hall kept trying to get him and he just eventually caught him and just knocked first him round, first round yeah first first person that I saw that like just said screw you Ryan Hall you ain't catching me on your little wizard tricks boom yeah, boom no, boom undefeated. he's undefeated too so that's that's yeah, that, that's, that's, that's one I'll be one. I'll be looking out for that one too but other than that you got a Nurmagomedov on here so you know somebody's getting smashed um against Cody Stamen. That last name just gives the just give divisions nightmares. But I would not be surprised if this card at, in, in the actual value name value kind of blows. It's mid, but in the actual, if you, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some just bangers up and down yeah. this card that ends up happening because that's how it always works. When he's yeah. mid cards, you're like, uh-huh. yeah. there's really nobody but the main and co-main event, the title fights. And then it just surprises you, exceeds expectations, and it's a banger. Yeah, well, this is the time for all these fighters to really, like, make a name for themselves. And it's pretty cool that a lot of Moreno's uh, partners, uh, training partners and teammates are also fine on this card. There's just a lot of potential for a lot of future stars, especially a lot of Mexican ones. That's awesome. A lot of good ones. So I'm looking at – I decided to scroll over to the UFC 271 card that we will be attending in Houston with our good ass seats. And it's not, it's, it's not a bad card at all, man. You got obviously Adesanya versus Robert Whitaker. Bomb. We get to see Israel Adesanya live. That's fucking bomb as fuck. Derek Lewis versus Ty Tuivasa. Banger. Banger. Alex Perez versus Matt Schnell. Okay. Jerry Cannonier versus Derek Brunson. Hopefully they, For once in their careers, make some fireworks happen. Yeah, bro. Hopefully, man. Come on, fingers crossed. Kyler Phillips versus Marcelo Rojo, not bad. Bobby Green versus Nasrat Hakparast, aka Kelvin Gaslam. He he still ain't slick. Um, <laughs> and then you got Roxanne Modafferi versus Casey O'Neill, Ed Herman versus 
Maxim Grishin. I don't know. Mana Martinez versus Ronnie Lawrence. Not bad. Not bad. Carlos Olberg is on uh, Adesanya's teammate. Carlos Olberg is uh, on this card. And then also, the opening fight is Blood Diamond. Um, also, a city kick, another city kickboxing guy making his UFC debut. I actually did not know who this guy was until on YouTube. Uh, I have I subscribed to Israel Adesanya's YouTube channel, and he had a video kind of like explaining who Di- Blood Diamond is, and like saw that title. Kind of like a backstory, backstory, I guess you could it. say. And he looked pretty raw. I'm not gonna lie, he looked pretty raw. Um, gotta check it out. Kickboxing wise, so I we're we're not getting too bad of a card here. Like overall. We're not yeah. getting too bad of a card here in Houston. I mean, yeah, maybe they can still put um, Poirier and uh, Nate Diaz. That'd be pretty cool. Give uh, us one more fight. Come on, one more fight. I know I'm just being selfish at this point and being hopeful. Uh, I don't give know. Us one um, more fight. You think the card is wrapped up? Yeah, because it's 14, 14 fights. And I mean, it's fucking, it's a month, less than a month away. <laughs> it has to be wrapped up. Like, now, now let's say one in the main event is Radisanya. If Robert Whitaker can't make it or the other way around, who would you want to be the replacement? Like, who should be there as the replacement for this title fight? Look, I'm not even going to tolerate that kind of talk. I can't have that happening. So. I mean, yeah. I mean, what, who, who? What other ones would you want to see? I, I don't want to see. I want to see Israel Adesanya versus Rob too. Okay, don't that's be talking true. that. That's true. Let don't me get talking... that juju. Yeah, that's true. Let me get those vibes out of here. I know. And uh, last thing before we sign off, uh, last thing I want to real, real quick dabble on: Kobe Covington versus Jorge Masvidal. I'm excited, dude. Damn, you went there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I saw, that's crazy. It's because it's because I saw. Um, Ariel Hawani's interview with uh, Jorge Masvidal, and it got me pumped the way Jorge was just talking. She's like, I'm going to go in there and break this man's face and blah, blah, blah. And I can't wait for that to counter with, I'm Donald Trump's favorite fighter. Shout out to the to the Army, to the Marines, the police, or, or, or uh, firefighters. <laughs> the crazy thing is they're, they're both MAGA. So Donald Trump is just torn right now. Like, who, who does he go for? Because they're both mega guys. They're both going to be is, like, I'm Donald Trump's favorite fighter. No, I'm Donald just, Trump. No, I'm fighter. Donald Trump. No, I'm dead. <laughs> no, that's, this is an awesome fight, man. I'm, I'm very pumped for this one. Just It's the same classic idea, except that they're embracing it. The former teammates support each other, train together, live together, turn sour, and now they're going to capitalize. They're a main event for pay-per-view. In between all these title fights, where in a lot of these pay-per-views, there's numerous title fights. Here we just have two guys that are not that both just lost to the champion, which is hilarious. Like Usman is just kind of like reigning over this division at this point because he's just mm-hmm. kind of sitting in his throne, just watching these fighters like just amuse me. And Masvidal and Kobe Covington are just going out there. I would have wanted them to be uh, the uh, tough fighters, tough trainers, coaches, just because I would want to see that bubble up and. Always the continues back and forth. But the press conference is going to be awesome. Um, all the promo. Anytime they see each other, they're going to square up. Yeah, it's going to be great content that leading up to that. And that's why they don't need anything else. Now, should the belt be up? Should the BMF belt be up for grabs? Or is that a one-time thing done? <sighs> the uh, BMF belt belongs to Kamaru Usman. I think we've established this already. <laughs> oh, that's true. Uh, that's true. But yeah, I don't think that's no, I don't think that's a that's a thing or that it's going to be a thing for this yeah, fight. And, and early predictions, like I, I love Masvidal, uh, and I would prefer Masvidal one, but I think Kobe Covington is gonna break him apart. I just want, I just want to see. Honestly, I don't really care either way. I see some good fucking action, like this talk they've been talking. I want to see it walk on the, in the octagon and. Honestly, it's kind of it kind of sucks looking through these cards. These first three pay per views of the year are gonna be kind of eh. As a, as a whole, 
Yeah. I mean, I don't know if this we just got Conor spoiled. McGregor is not fighting, bro. You need to get over it, man. Dude, it feels no, crazy. it's we we've been spoiled. Two sixty nine was such a great card. Two sixty eight yeah, was yeah. such a great card. Even two sixty seven, yeah. like, oh, was been such great. a great card. I don't know. I don't know where, where what happened to all these fighters. Are they just doing fight nights now and stuff? So I I don't know. But They're probably spacing yeah, spacing them out, giving the. These first three cards for by UFC standards, 2021 UFC standards are a little mid, but I'm I'm excited. I'm 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 ready to go. I'm pumped. I'm ready for UFC 270 and yeah. to pay more money to the UFC. <laughs> oh man, especially with the price change now since that it ESPN, went up since ESPN upped the price. Um, yeah, man, that's. That's all I got. You got anything? Anything you want to touch on real quick, or you want to add any thoughts? Or are you you saving it for after the fight when and new undisputed heavyweight Whoa. champion of the world? Whoa. Yeah, well, there'll definitely be a lot to talk about afterwards. But this is cool. Just kind of being able to see all of this before the fight, seeing what's at stake here. Um, uh, that's pretty cool. So I enjoyed it. So we'll see afterwards. We'll see who was right, or we'll see how wrong you were. Better, better way to phrase it, dude. That. If if Gon actually gets a fourth round submission, I am calling your ass like ASAP, Rocky, dude. All right, I'll be waiting for your call. I'll be waiting for your call. Like, like denied, denied, denied. When, when Gon is just looking up, gasping for a breath, that's all we're gonna see. Big ass dude on the floor. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. All right, two fans, you know where to find us. At Sliced Apples Pod on Twitter, at Sliced Apples Podcast on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, at Caesar Cast Jr. on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Cowboy Canella. And make sure y'all tune in to UFC 270 because, you know, once, once the new week comes around next week, once Monday comes around next week, we will we'll be back. We'll be back. We'll be back to talk about it. And you want to. You want to be there because saying anything about the UFC, there's never a dull moment. There's never just, no matter what, there's never a dull moment. But we'll see y'all next time. Deuces. Peace.